Let me ask you another question, folks. What would you think or what would you do if you found out you were not who you thought you were? I was reading these stories in the, uh, on the Internet. Nobody reads the paper anymore, do they? But I was reading these stories on the Internet. And they're uh, stories of babies that got sent home with the wrong families. You can imagine that. They get sent home with the wrong families, and what happens to them is, is that they, they end up uh, being raised by these other families. And it, it's funny, they, they don't look like their siblings, you know what I'm saying? They don't look like them, you know, maybe they're taller, they're shorter, or maybe they're, you know, whatever, they have dark hair or light hair, whatever it might be, different colored eyes, I don't even know what it is. But they don't look exactly the same as the rest of their family. Maybe, they have, maybe the, you have a little nose and everybody in your family has got a big nose, you know, I don't know what it is. But anyway, the, the deal is, is that they discovered through DNA, obviously, but they discovered it through some kind of illness that one of the members of the family had, and they did the DNA on them to find out if they had the gene that goes with that. And they said, that's not your mother. That's not your father. And you were raised in the wrong home. And then they find out that the that other child that they switched with, they were doing exactly the same thing. Wouldn't that be kind of crazy? But it has happened. It has happened. You know, so the, the deal is... You'd find out that you're not really a Johnson. Maybe you're a, you're a Smith. You know what I'm saying? You find out that you're not. I mean, that has to be really shocking to you. Well, here's the story on what I'm going to say to you today. The truth is, folks, the truth is, is that when we became believers, we became somebody else. And that doesn't mean you can't act like you're part of this other family. But you certainly aren't part of that other family and when you don't act like who you are I'm going to talk more about this you violate who you are and it comes out in crazy ways in your life let me read 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 14 as obedient children do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance I think that a lot of people would have said, well, no, that the way I was living before, that wasn't ignorant. Yes, it was. You didn't know any better at that time. And see, because salvation changes people instantly. You're changed instantly. It doesn't, I didn't say it completely changes how they act. I'll talk about that in in a minute. But it changes who they are. It changes who you are. It changed it, you know, changed that you became royalty. You became royalty in the, in the family of God. It changed the fact that you were instantly forgiven. You're forgiven for all the things that you've ever done. Think about that for a moment. It changes that the fact that you now possess the Holy Spirit, just like that. The Holy Spirit came into your life. And so you are something new. That's why Paul would write in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away, died. Realize that. Behold, the new has come. So what does it say? We become new creations when we trust in Christ. It is the passing of what we were and the birth of who we are. Now, I don't think we've explained that to people. I don't think that when we told a person, you know, when you come to know Christ, it's going to change who you are. It changes fundamentally who you are. Do you realize that if you get married, it changes who you are? You understand what I'm saying? 
You walk down the aisle, you know, maybe down this aisle here, and you're not married, and you walk back out, and you are married. Instantly this happens. And if you don't act like you're married, you know it causes a lot of problems. Causes a lot of problems if you don't act like you're married after you're married. You're a different person. I have seen in my own counseling, I've seen both men and women that what happened after they got married, they thought they could still run around with their single friends, going to the bars each night and flirting with the opposite sex. I want you to know it causes problems. I can tell you that without any doubt. And when it does cause problems like that, you're actually, you're violating who you are. You're now a married person. You weren't a married person, but now you are a married person. And you didn't realize you have to crucify that old life. That old life was your past. And you got to have a new life that is there. And that's why we don't really understand the scripture that, is, that Paul wrote to us in Galatians. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I, I now live, I, I, that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We don't quite grasp that crucified with Christ. See, that statement must be a little enigmatic in so many ways, but it does say clearly we can no longer live like we did before we came to know Christ. This is the true evidence of salvation. It is not a temporary change that has come upon us. We have been changed permanently. Now you can act like the old person was still alive, but that's not who you are. Uh, back in 1989, there was a movie called, uh, that was made called Weekend at Bernie's. Please don't admit if you ever watched it. I don't want to embarrass anybody. It wasn't an intellectual marvel, I can tell you that. And so it was about these two guys and their boss dies. I think he had a heart attack or something. I don't remember exactly. But, and the hitmen were after him. They want to find out who these hitmen are. They want to catch them or whatever it might be. And so what they do is, is they take the whole weekend and they pretend that their boss is still alive. You know, and so they, they move him around, you know, like he's a puppet. You know, why he doesn't get stiff as a board, I don't know. But anyway, that's through the movie. And so they keep on going and he moves around and he continues to move. And they pretend like he's alive when he is dead. And that may be a crazy story. But that's what Christians are doing much of the time. You see, you're acting like you have that old life. It's not you anymore. It is not you anymore. And so you can, you take the dead and you're trying to make it look like it's still alive. And it is not satisfying to do that. And you're wondering what has happened, what has changed. Now, why are you so different? Why are you so different? Because we are children of obedience. That's what we've been changed to. I know, and you know, I'm going to tell you, I am picky on words and you know how picky I am with words. But when I translated this, everybody translated it obedient children, not children of obedience. You're going to say, what's the difference there? Well, you realize that what has happened here is, is that you could be an obedient children, but being a child of obedience is more than simply a characteristic. You see, what happens is when you say a child of obedience, you understand obedience possesses you. It possesses you. This is who you are. So that obedience becomes a core or a heart identification in your life. It's something that really defines who you are. 
And that is what you are, even if you don't act like that is what you are. You're a child of obedience because obedience possesses you. It, is, it, it, it owns you in this. See, if I am a believer in Jesus, I became a child of obedience. And if I did not become a, a child of obedience, I did not become a believer. You see, I am transformed into this. For salvation is more than just saying something is true. Salvation is more agreeing that something is true. And I think a lot of times when I say, well, they, the person says, Jesus is Lord, so that must be it. Well, here's the story, folks. I believe that Satan is the Lord of the fallen angels. That's doing nothing for me. Do you understand? I can agree with that. I can say that's true, but it doesn't do anything for me. Let me tell you something else. Just simply saying Jesus is Lord will do nothing for you either. You understand what I'm trying to say to you? For Jesus said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, and I'll say what? I never knew you. That's what happened. But here's the, here's the story. Committing to Jesus as Lord changes who I am. And in our lives, there are a few things that cannot be undone. I think that's why that birth is used as the metaphor for our salvation. You must be born again. And the reason is, once you've been born, you can't be unborn. You can't go back the other way. This is a one-way street in being born. Always going to be a one-way street. No one can undo their birth. And so becoming a child is a state of being. And becoming a child of obedience is a state of being. This is who we really are. Now, why am I making such a big deal about this? Because I believe that those who have trusted in Jesus are a child of obedience, whether they realize it or not. This is who you really are. And you are compelled to act that way. And if you don't act that way, it will violate who you are. And when you violate who you are, then what happens is things happen in your life that you don't really like to happen in your life. You see, there may be something that you're saying, well, I'm going to not do that. God's told you to do it. Well, that's going to violate who you are because you're a child of obedience. Or God says, don't do that. And you're saying, I'm going to do that. And that's going to violate who you are. And there's never going to be any true peace in your life if that's the way that you're trying to live. You're going to have guilt. You're going to have guilt. And and if you don't have any guilt, maybe you're not really a true believer. But more than likely what has happened is you suppress this guilt and you just, it's just coming out in other places. But I will tell you where your guilt will actually come out. There will be an estrangement between you and God. There'll be a separation from you and God. Not that you will lose your salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. But you will not have the closeness to the Lord. Maybe that you once had. You will not have the passion that you had for the Lord that you had one time. And there will be an emptiness in your worship. There will be, you, you, maybe you'll say the words, maybe you'll sing the songs, maybe you'll do that sort of thing. But, but in reality, there's no passion in you anymore in order to, to, to sing and to worship and, and to act in, in a way that would reveal that you are a, a believer. There, there, you, when you read the Bible, it'll be a chore. It's just a work that you have to do. And you have no joy in the fact that you get your scriptures out and, and, you, and, and you, let it, you let it run all over you. And, and you even have trouble with fellowshipping with other Christians. When they talk about the Lord, you don't want to talk about the Lord. You want to stay away from them. In fact, you'll even have trouble coming to church. And when you pray, it'll only be passing thoughts. Never will be that I've gone into the throne room of God and I've knelt before him and I have poured out my heart to him. 
It won't be like that. It'll be passing thoughts that go along. And what a lot of people do is they say, well, it must be the church that I'm in. I mean, I must be at a church that they don't have the, they, they don't have the oomph. They don't have the, they don't have the power. They don't have whatever you want to say it is. They don't have the emotions that I'd like to have. But emotionalism isn't the answer to your return to a close relationship with God, even though people will rush to hear and experience emotional worship services. Let me tell you something. Eventually, no matter where you go, those won't last either. Because there will be an encore problem in your life. You're going to have to have more emotion and more emotion and more emotion in this. What is the answer to this? Well, the Lord gave us an answer to this. And that is, is to turn away from what we've done and, and go back toward Him. It says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, what has happened is that righteousness that there is being right before God. Not only close to him, but having a right relationship with him at that moment. And when we use that word confess, that word confess is a, a conjunction. It is two words, homo, logeo. Homo means the same. Logeo means the words, but it doesn't mean just saying the right words. It has repentance built into it. You're turning away from that. You're walking a new life. For confession removes the infection of sin. It removes that infection of sin that has got into our lives. My wife is an infection preventionist. And rarely, not often, they will do a knee replacement surgery at her hospital. And there will be an infection that will get into that knee. And when that infection gets into that knee, it becomes painful and stiff. I'll tell you, if you ever see anybody that gets a, an, an infection in the knee with a tape and never replaced, it will become painful stiff and it'll actually swell up, in fact. Is it typically an additional surgery is needed to replace the infected knee? In fact, what they do is, is that typically what they do, they take the old, they take the, the, the new knee replacement out. They put in something called a spacer that is full of antibiotics and they start giving intravenous antibiotics as well. You see... Things don't go right until the infection is removed. And I will tell you, sin makes worship, Bible reading, and even church attendance painful and stiff. It will do that in your life. That's because that infection, just like in your knee, that infection is not who you are. That is not who you are. Thus, you must stop being conformed to the passions you had before you became a child of obedience. That's almost a quote from the First uh, Peter 1.14. And that word conformed, I looked this up, is the same word that is used in Romans 12.2. Same Greek word that is there. Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now what that word conformed means is that you're really this. But what is happening is, is there's pressure on the outside to conform you to what the world is. And that's, this is the situation that we have. You're, you're being molded to look like something that you are not. But that's not who you are. That's what you're molded simply to look like. That's what's going on in your life. 
And so this means that the world is attempting to brainwash believers. I actually would have liked to use the word mindwash, but mindwash is not in uh, the uh, Webster's definition, so I use brainwash. And the reason I did that is because it's the way it works. Webster's definition of brainwashing is a forcible indoctrination to induce someone to give up basic political, social, or religious beliefs and attitudes and to accept uh, contrasting regimented ideas, persuasion by propaganda or salesmanship. And when I say that the world is trying to conform us to the way that they're doing it is, is, is to take our former passions. Our former passions are physical pleasures. Physical pleasures are what we want. We, the world tells us that we must have possessions. This is what the world is trying to tell us that we have to have money as far as that goes. And pride. Pride goes along with power because the pride and power just are like that with each other. And the world is saying if you don't have those things, you are not going to make it in this world. In fact is, what does the world say? The one that dies with the most toys wins. It's not true, folks. It just simply is not true. For Peter's readers are already being conformed to the former desires. You see, this was put in the present tense. It means that it was something that was ongoing there. And so what was going on? They were already being conformed to their former passions, which means they were participating in those former passions. And that is why there's a battle that is going on in the mind because we have to have a renewed mind in order to battle against this, these, these uh, conforming uh, forces that are on us. Thus the devil and those spiritual forces work to tempt children of obedience to disobedience through these former desires. What has happened is, is that we have learned from those former desires. We have learned from those things that are of the world that this is the way to go. And so we think this is our pattern that we need to follow along. And this is the way that we need to go. And so we get on our eight lane highway of of physical pleasures and possessions and pride. And we just take off on that road because it's a familiar road that we ride on. Uh, Folks, have you ever moved after living in a place a long time? And you got on the, the road that you went on to go home the way you used to go home. And you end up there and you're going, what am I doing here? That's what's going on. That's what's going on. That, that uh, the devil is getting us to go back to this. He says in Ephesians 6.12... For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Realize this is what's going on and it's trying to conform us. And the devil uses three main ways to conform us to the world. The first one is entertainment. Entertainment, which now includes the news, by the way. Do not believe that the news is the news. And I don't care who you listen to. I mean, I'm going to tell you, you can go from all the way from, um, I guess, I don't know where the far right is, but I'd say Newsmax. Maybe that's not as far as you can go, but Newsmax all the way to, you know, I don't know, CNN or ABC or somebody. It won't make any difference. I mean, I'm just telling you, this is, a, this is entertainment now. And you need to know that. You need to, you need to understand that they're, they're, they're conforming you. They're conforming you into an image. And what they try to do is they try to sh- show the benefits of, of, the, of the things that, you know, that you've you got to be in the right group. You've got to have the right group and get the right physical pleasures or get the right group. You're going to have the right possessions or, or, or even the right pride. Maybe the pride is the issue that they're, they're pushing in this. They will make things that are good into bad and they'll make the bad into good. 
They'll make love so important that justice is bad. And they'll try to make that, that situation where it, it was a wrong thing to do. But now we've got we've to say that it's, it's good. It's a good thing to do. And so we, they will glorify something. Possibly is something we all agree on probably. Prostitution. We can probably all agree that maybe that, that's bad. But what they do is they find some, some person who's been maybe through human trafficking or something. They've gotten, they've gotten conscripted into this and they can't get out of it. And, and the preacher who preaches against prostitution, he's now the evil person. Because he's talking about something that this poor person had to go through. And they will take that which is an anomaly like this person here. And they will make that the norm and what they'll do is, and then they'll, and they'll try to make, the, and they'll make the, the, the preacher the norm too, the evil person. And you see it over and over again. Second is education. Education is, conforming is very present in our education system. And maybe that's the reason that so many parents are up at arms with some of the things being taught in school. See, I mean, and I know some people are going to say, well, morality has no place in school. We've always taught morality in school. Come on. We've taught honesty. We don't like people cheating, do we? We've taught, we've taught things like dependability. We've tried to stop the bullying that's gone on. And we encourage students to love each other so that there is a respect and, and a getting along with each other. But then we try to make the evil into good and the good into evil. Sometimes we get so compassionate that we forget what our real passion ought to be. And that's where we have our problems. And what happens to us, especially in the education system, we can't seem to disagree and not be disagreeable. We should be able to disagree and, be, and not be disagreeable. But it seems like we want to call each other names. I uh, read of a, a member of parliament in England named Dennis Skinner. He was a, they said he was a firebrand. He's in the Labor Party. Labor Party is the, uh, the, the, uh, well, the liberal party in, in, in England. The Tories are the conservative party. And one time in a, in a parliament meeting, he said, half the Tories opposite are crooks. And the uh, speaker said, replied, please retract the unparliamentary language. He said, okay. Half the Tories opposite are not crooks. At least you're awake. Anyway, so you realize what has happened there. Is that the thing about it is we want to say, we want to call names. And we want to do that kind of thing. And it happens even in our education system. The third way that we have uh, the devil is using is in relationships. It's in relationships. We act like those around us expect us to act 85% of the time. That is a fact, folks. We will act like we think they want us to act 85% of the time. We are so wired to fit in. It's so important that you know who you run around with. Because we are so wired to fit in that it even forms our accents. You understand that. When I was in, now I've been gone from Texas for 24 years. I mean, from the last time I lived there. And I only lived there four years then. But I had lived eight years in Tennessee before all of that. So I've been, I've been away from Texas altogether about 32 years. The last time I went to Texas and I was there visiting with people, I said, man, these people have drawl. They drawl when they talk. 
You realize it didn't take me long to pick it back up. I will have to say that. What I'm trying to say is, is that we want to conform and it matters who you're running around with. Believe me. And it doesn't mean that you cannot be a friend to sinners. That's not what I'm talking about. But you cannot spend the majority of your time with them because it will affect you. It'll affect how you act. Now, it's strange, but none of these is inherently evil. Entertainment can be godly and helpful in in Christian spiritual growth. In fact, there's a lot of entertainment that is that way. And the same can be said of education and the same can be said of relationships. What we need to say is is that just because that's the way that that's the things the devil uses, it doesn't mean that those things are evil in themselves. They're not evil in themselves. It takes discernment when engaging in entertainment, education and relationships to know when each one is stepped over the line and toward conforming to the world. The child of obedience must feed on the deeper spiritual truth to be aware of the subtle conforming of the world. That's what we really need to do. We need to know deeply. It needs to become exactly who we are. In Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14, the writer of Hebrews said, But solid food is for the mature. For those who have have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You're trained by constant practice. So the discernment is constantly practiced so that it readily recognizes when those things come up in our lives and we say, no, that's of the world. That is not of God. That is not who I am. I'm a child of obedience. This is what happens. The opposite of discernment is to become dull of hearing. It is dull. And so that Hebrews 5.11 says... About this we have much to say, but it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. That word, the word dull means to be slothful or sluggish in your hearing. And and here's the thing, folks. You may know the word of God, but here's what happens. You have not received the word of God. There's a whole lot of difference between the true. Receiving the word of God is more than hearing or reading it. Receiving the word of God is to put it to work so that there must be an alertness to the word of God. Then there is discernment and the recognition of those conforming temptations which are eliminated in our lives. That's why the psalmist would say, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You have received this word. It has enhanced who you are. And it keeps that sin from us. And when that sin is revealed, we will not tolerate it. We don't try to resist it. We die to ourselves so that it no longer has any effect on our lives. Romans 6, 11 says, So you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. I had to think of what would be the worst, what would be the worst Disease that I could be told if I went to the doctor. And I realized it would be cancer. Some of you had it. And so we must treat this conforming to our former passions like cancer, like a cancer. See, I want you to know I don't want to tolerate cancer. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not tolerating it. And I don't want to simply control cancer. I don't want people to say, you know, I, I say, I got cancer, but I'm tolerating it. I, I'm, I'm good. 
Or I, I've got cancer, but, but, but I'm, gonna, I'm controlling it, you know, as if I could do that. You know what I want? I want to get rid of it. That's what I want. I want it gone from my life. And as long as it exists, I can't be who I am. Realize when as long as I have this life that I'm not living, that who I am is, who is not being lived out, then I can't be who I am. And so the practice of being dead to sin and alive to God must come about so that we are naturally living this way without a whole lot of conscious prompting. And that is because why we have constantly practiced, we have got the more mature, we have received the Word of God into our lives, and we recognize it. And if you don't do this, if you don't do this, I'm going to tell you what, it's going to come out somewhere. I will tell you what's going to happen in your life. You're going to go to church, and it's just not going to be exciting. You're going to say, I don't, I don't really pray a whole lot. I do, I pray, but it's in a passing thought. Reading my Bible, I just, I can't even remember where my Bible is, you'll finally say. I don't even read my Bible anymore. It's a chore when I do. And I don't really like being around Christian people, spiritually, true spiritual people. Because they talk about that other stuff, that spiritual stuff. And I want to talk about the things of the world. And I would say to you this, act like who you are. Act like who you are. Pray with me.